Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. It's great to be back with all of those who are tuning in each time we broadcast these podcasts. We're trying to spread God's word on as widespread a basis as possible. And of course, through the internet, that's basically generally speaking, all over the world. Well, we know that there are those who cannot be with us every Wednesday night for our Wednesday night Bible classes at the church building at Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha. And we know that there are people who listen outside of our area and across the country and literally around the world. We want to be able to reach out to as many people with God's word as we can. And we're thankful that we have the opportunity through the internet and the ability and the means to be able to do that. We pray that as you listen with us each time that your faith is growing deeper and stronger, that you're coming to know God's word better and better, more fully. And as that happens, that your faith is growing stronger. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And so as your faith grows stronger, you should be coming closer to God. Our prayer is that ultimately you'll come to the point where you'll say, you know, I know now that I need to come to God through Jesus Christ, repenting of my sins, confessing my faith in him openly, and surrendering to him in baptism so the blood that he shed on the cross can cleanse me of the guilt of my sins. Acts chapter 2 and verse 20, and verse, Acts chapter 26, uh, I'm sorry, 22 and verse 16, and that I can be saved as I'm baptized into him. Mark 16, 15 and 16, 1 Peter 3 and verse 21. Well, that's our prayer. And not just that you'll come to understand that and believe that, but that you'll follow through and come to God in that way. Because that's the way he has laid out for us in his word, the Bible, the scriptures. Well, we encourage you to tell other people about these, these uh, Bible studies. In fact, we encourage you to share them with everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and probably other technological means. But undoubtedly, you know people in your life who need to change their focus in life. They need to start thinking about their relationship with God and about their soul's salvation. So share with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. We could say this about every time, every point of time, in our lives. But certainly this is certainly not an exception to that. If people ever needed the gospel of Jesus Christ, if they ever needed a right relationship with God, if they ever needed the hope of eternal life in heaven, right now is that time. So share. Also tell people, and if you have not done this yet yourself, then take advantage of it yourself. Tell people to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the homepage to the podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. And when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will, automatically, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's their smartphone or computer or tablet or pad or laptop or whatever it might be, they'll automatically receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, and they will receive 
a daily radio program Monday through Friday called Search the Scriptures. And they will receive seven days a week a daily Bible study about 13 minutes long each day, short, something we can listen to on the way to work or the way home from work or maybe on a lunch break or taking a break from our daily chores at home. Only about 13 minutes, but it gets us into God's Word every day. And we call that today's Bible class, covering very pertinent material relative to each of us in our personal lives and in the world in which we live. All of that will be automatic and it will be continual. Also at our website, people can download and access hundreds of sermons, and those are now being posted in video format as well as audio, and they can download and read through and study through hundreds of biblically-based and spiritually-focused articles. All of that is free, and it always will be free. So tell everybody you can, and take advantage of that opportunity to be able to access these incredible, really, when you stop and think about it, such a broad-based base, uh, such a broad-based way, and and so many different study materials there to access all of that, and again for free. We're going to get back into our study from First Peter. First Peter, we're in chapter five. We began looking at that particular context of scripture, the first five verses where Peter is addressing the elders of the congregations to whom he would he was writing this particular letter. Now Peter begins, and, and this is important, we may go back and kind of cover again some of that material that we did last time, but that's okay because this is an extremely important context of scripture by way of what it's teaching and emphasizing. In verses 1 through 5, Peter begins by addressing the elders. The elders who are among you, I exhort, he says. And then he identifies himself as a fellow elder. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, he will receive the crown of glory, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Now, Peter is addressing a particular group of men within the congregations who would be reading this particular letter. Now, we talked about last time about how elders are always identified as being males within the congregation, and that is not putting down, that is not minimizing the importance or the value of, and it is not demeaning the identity of women within the congregation. We're simply recognizing different roles that God has designed for different groups within the congregation. And so, let me tell you, any congregation depends mightily upon the women within that congregation to do the things that God has equipped them to do and has uh, authorized that it is his will that they pursue those particular works and activities. 
Congregations without active women are congregations that are, well, they're handicapped. And unfortunately, and this is something, I'm a man, and, and I can say this about my fellow men within the congregations of the Lord's Church, unfortunately, there are so many men within the Lord's Church who just are not taking their rightful places of work and activity and influence and leadership within the Lord's Church. That's unfortunate. And when you look at virtually any congregation of the Lord's Church, you're probably going to find more female members than you do male members. Now, that's not saying there won't be a lot of male members percentage-wise, but you're probably going to find more females who become Christians or they become Christians and then are committed to live the Christian life than you're going to find males. That's unfortunate. Again, I'm a man. I can say that about my fellow mankind within the Lord's church. That's unfortunate. That says something that is unfortunate about the identity, or maybe I should say the commitment of men in our culture and within the Lord's church itself. The elders who are among you, I exhort. In every congregation, I believe God has designed there to be a plurality of elders, not just one, because one can let authority go to his head, and what he says, that one person with nobody else to kind of bounce off his thoughts and ideas and, and his thinking on particular matters, well, that could lead the whole congregation astray. But when you have a plurality, more than one, and, and preferably more than two, then you have the ability for the elders within that congregation to, to bounce ideas and thoughts and positions of, you know, viewpoint positions off of each other. And so they can kind of balance each other in what they're thinking. Again, elders, plural. When we go back to Acts chapter 14 and verse 23, when Paul and Barnabas were coming back. They're starting to reverse their course on that first missionary journey we read about in Acts chapter 14. They, they go back and they do something that's very significant that we ought to pay close attention to. In verse 21 of Acts chapter, uh, of Acts chapter 14, we read this, and when they preached the gospel to that city, and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra. Now that city that they're referring to initially there in verse 21 would have been Derby. They go back to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Now look at verse 23. And when they had appointed elders, plural, when they had appointed elders in every church, in every church and prayed with fasting they commanded them to the they commended them to the lord in whom they had believed elders in every church i can't tell you how many congregations i have known of and even had some experience with on some occasions who had been in existence for 20 30 40 50 years or more perhaps and they had no elders no elders now, when you talk to 
the men within the congregations, men who you could look at and say, okay, they would be leading influences within those congregations, and, and you say, you need to appoint elders. You need to have elders here. Oh, yes, we agree. Yeah, we do. But they have to be qualified. Now, what we're looking at in Acts chapter 14 and verse 23 is we're looking at congregations that had just been established within months, undoubtedly, of appointing elders in those very congregations. Now, I understand that men need to be truly grounded in the faith and in God's word. They need to exemplify that through their daily lifestyles on an ongoing basis. But now, why were Paul and Barnabas able to appoint elders in those brand new congregations so quickly and congregations that have been around for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, they can't find men who ought to be qualified to serve as elders within those congregations? It's interesting when Paul wrote to Titus in Titus chapter 1, and verse 5, now he's left Titus on the Isle of Crete, and, and notice what he says. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking. Now what things are lacking? The only thing he points out specifically, undoubtedly there were other things. Those congregations probably needed to be further grounded in God's word, but the only thing that he brings out specifically that you, in or, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Appoint elders in every city. Now again, these were congregations that had not been around for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. There was something that was not yet set in order probably a number of things that he does not bring out specifically, but one of those, the one thing he brings out is appoint elders in every city, every congregation. He goes on and he talks about if a man is blameless. Now, we're not talking about perfect. Nobody is perfect in this world, except a newborn baby, perhaps, who is incapable of even understanding right from wrong. They know Hungry, full, unhappy, happy, pain, wet, dry. <laughs> but they're not, we're not talking about adults being perfect except as being counted such by God through Christ as they were baptized into him for the remission of their sins. But we still make mistakes. All you have to do is read 1 John chapter 1. He's writing that to Christians and he talks about how if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. The truth is not in you. We make mistakes. We're talking about blameless in the sense that he has done what he's supposed to do to be forgiven, to come to salvation in Christ, and he's trying, and he's doing a pretty good job with God's blessing and guidance and strength to live a faithful Christian life. So if a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, so he's got to be married, he's got to be old enough to have children, and faithful children, it says, not accused of dissipation, 
not accused of dissipation. Well, what does that mean? Debauchery, uh, you know, literally incorrigibility. Well, in other words, he's got to be a moral person on a steady basis. For a bishop, speaking of elders, now notice that Paul has changed the term using he's used here. In verse 5, he says, appoint elders in every city. Now he says, he uses the word bishop, and we're going to talk about those different words in a few moments. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money. These are good Christian characters, are characteristics but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to, ex- to exhort and convict those who contradict. And then he goes in and talks about false teachers or people who are apparently in the church who are not living godly lives. And he says elders have to step in there and have to correct those situations. Well, that is one of the reasons, one of the basic reasons, primary reasons, why every congregation needs to have elders. Because the elders, by nature of the term elders, they are to be more mature in their knowledge of God's word and in their faith. Because they apparently have been in the congregate or in the Lord's church for perhaps a longer period of time. They're not a brand new Christian. Now, again, we wonder how Paul was able to, Paul and Barnabas were able to appoint elders back there in those congregations in the first missionary journey in such a short period of time. Well, we're left to speculate as to why those men were already qualified. Maybe they were just more diligent. Maybe Paul and Barnabas spent more time really grounding them in the principles of the faith, in the principles of Christianity. But now, when you're talking about 20, 30, 40, 50 years and you don't have any elders, you need to do a lot of self-reflecting there. And don't just excuse the fact of the matter. Are you being too picky a man who is blameless. Are you looking for somebody who's absolutely perfect? Well, you're never going to find a man that who would fit that particular description. You're never going to find certainly a plurality of men. No, don't be too picky. Be firm. Be true to the word. But God's plan for the church in the area of leadership within the church is elders. Now, I've said for many, many, many years in teaching on this subject, if a congregation does not have elders, they have to find some other plan of leadership that is simply not in the scriptures. Now, I did not say it was unscriptural or anti-scripture. The way I refer to it is extra-scriptural because... The only plan for leadership that God has laid out for his church in the scriptures is to have elders. Now, I realize, and I've been part of congregations through my life that did not have elders. And so they would have to formulate some kind of 
system or plan of leadership where the men would come together and they would put their heads together and they would try to, through prayer and thought and discussion back and forth, try to make good decisions. And that is okay for a short period of time until that congregation can nurture and groom men who can take the position of elders. But if that other system that is extra-biblical, that is just simply not laid out in the scriptures, if that goes on and on and on and on and on, for year after year after year or decade after decade, that congregation needs to stop and do a lot of self-reflection and quit excusing the fact that they have not fully developed that congregation in the area of leadership to the point that God designed it to be in his word. It's not okay to just go on and on and on without that biblically designed system or plan, however you want to refer to it, of leadership within the church. Elders are unique in their responsibilities. Now, they should be more mature in their knowledge of God's word because they've been students, perhaps more diligently for a longer period of time. But again, we're not talking about putting things off for decades. I'm afraid that sometimes many within a congregation, they may fear appointing elders because now all of a sudden, the elders are the leaders within that congregation. And so they don't want to give up their position within that congregation of leadership. That attitude and mindset is wrong. So Peter says, the elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Now, when Peter says, I who am a fellow elder, there is a large denomination of those who call themselves Christians here who say Peter was the first pope. You never see that in the scriptures. That's just in the mind, the mind of men who made that up. That's to them, they thought that was a good idea. He was never a pope. You don't have the concept of a pope anywhere in the New Testament. But notice Peter was an elder. He was married then, and he had children, children old enough to believe in God. I, who am a fellow welder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, he was right there with Christ on his, mission, on, on his public minister, ministry here in this, in this earth, in this world. He says, shepherd the flock of God. Now, there are different words, and I said we would come to this later on, and I, I want to touch on this right now. Remember Titus chapter 1. Peter first, I'm sorry, Paul first addresses this section of that short letter to Titus by saying appoint elders in every church. An elder or presbyter is another way to, to uh, translate that Greek word. It refers to an elder from the position of maturity, age, 
He's not going to be a 20-year-old guy. He's not going to be a teenager. He's going to be someone old enough to not only be married but have believing children. He's going to be one who is old enough to have demonstrated maturity. Now, that does not mean he's got to be elderly, but he's got to have He's got to have those characteristics, those, those kinds of marks of, okay, I have grown in these ways. Now, again, we can't be too nitpicky and too narrow in our understanding of what that means. But that word refers to his, his spiritual age, his spiritual maturity. But elder there does not mean elderly. And then... Paul switched in Titus chapter 1 to bishop. Bishop simply is referring to another aspect of the position of elder, and that is he is an overseer. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, you find the word pastor. And that word is also translated shepherd. Now denominations, by and large, have erroneously placed the title of pastor on their preacher. That is not in keeping with the New Testament scriptures. A preacher can only be a pastor if he's also an elder. Now, in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, these first four verses, Peter uses every one of those words. The elders who are among you, I exhort. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God. And then he also uses that third term, serving as overseers. So when you go back into the Greek, you find the original words for elder, for pastor, for bishop or overseer, and all of those apply to that position of an elder, of an elder. A pastor is not separate from an elder. The pastor is not the preacher unless the preacher is also one of the elders. Elders, God's plan for leadership within the congregation it's a plan with very special and very personal responsibility for those leaders within the Lord's church. And elders are God's plan for leadership, scripturally taught in the Lord's church. Our time is just about up today, so... I'd like to say a little bit more about this because, again, it is so important. And there are so many congregations of the Lord's Church that have no elders. And that needs to be corrected. Again, in Titus chapter 1, Paul told Titus to correct that very point that was lacking within the churches on Crete. That, that instruction did not just apply to those congregations almost 2,000 years ago. If there are no elders within a particular congregation, 
that which is lacking needs to be corrected. And those congregations need to work diligently to get to the point where they have men who are qualified to become elders. Let's stop and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your church. We thank you for the magnificent design that you have, with which you have designed your church. We pray, Father, guide us to be that church fully and completely following your design, respecting the authority of the scriptures because they are your word to guide us as to what the church should be. And where anything might be lacking, guide us to be diligent to fill that lack, that need, properly, scripturally, Father, faithfully. Father, we pray for souls everywhere. We pray for your church everywhere. Guide us and bless us to be the shining lights of forgiveness, of salvation, of eternal life, of Christianity. Everywhere, all around the world, Father, we pray. And please, Father, at this time, we also ask you, beg you, please forgive us, gracious Father. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.